This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Ninety bills so far have been introduced into the legislature on election. Several of those bills have to do with ranked choice voting. It's a little bit problematic in the length of time that it uh, takes for poll workers you know, to come up with the results of the election. So it could draw it out several days as opposed to having it the same night. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. Advocates and recovery experts filled the Capitol Rotunda on Monday to educate lawmakers about substance use disorder. Emily Rice has the story. One of the big issues facing people in recovery is reintegrating into society. Nick Cochran is the director of Youth Services System, an organization that helps people rejoin society after incarceration or treatment at a rehab facility. Substance use disorder is criminalized so heavily, we really need additional supports in order to recover, in order to have treatment and to be rehabilitated so that we can become contributing members of society. In partnership with Recovery Homes and Up Lift West Virginia Youth Services System displayed a memorial to the people in the state lost to overdose. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. Senate Bill 466 passed the Senate and would require the State Board of Education to create an annual safety course about Internet safety for children and teenagers. Brianna Heaney has more. Senator Laura Chapman, a Republican from Ohio County, says the bill is in place to protect children from things like sextortion, which is when a minor communicates with a predator in an illicit or sexual manner and then is later extorted. I recently came across an issue where children would send nude photos to someone that they thought was a love interest and ended up being somebody who just wanted to extort them. And oftentimes those children would then commit suicide. And so I think People need to be aware of that, especially parents of children, and they need to be able to recognize that there is help. She says the bill is also to open pathways of communication between minors and resources to help them if they have been a victim of online predation or cyberbullying. The bill now goes to the House of Delegates for further consideration. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. Two of Governor Jim Justice's creditors have agreed to sell a helicopter to help settle a debt. Curtis Tate has more. Caroling Investments, a Caribbean company, and First Source Bank of South Bend, Indiana, have submitted a joint proposal to sell a helicopter owned by Bluestone Resources. Bluestone, which is one of Justice's numerous companies, did not participate in the agreement filed Friday in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Virginia. Bluestone owes Caroling about $10 million and sought the helicopter as a partial repayment. Bluestone and First Source tried unsuccessfully to convince a federal judge to stay in order for U.S. Marshals to seize the helicopter on Caroling's behalf. The agreement directs Bluestone to surrender the 2009 Bell helicopter to a third party, Healy X, of Colleyville, Texas, within 72 hours of the court's issuance of an initial sale order. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. It's been a little more than a year since a Norfolk Southern train carrying toxic chemicals derailed in East Palestine, Ohio. While there's been much attention paid to the environmental fallout, 
Many local business owners say they've struggled to keep their businesses afloat. Reporting from East Palestine, WESA's Oliver Morrison checked in to see how businesses are faring one year later. Don Elzer owns greenhouses on the outskirts of East Palestine. The week of the derailment, he had been running commercials about plants he had for sale on Valentine's Day. I think we had two customers on Valentine's Day. Some people bought plants to support the business, but overall, he said, business is down 20%. And it's not just plants that aren't selling. He also owns a hot dog and ice cream shop in town, and traffic has been drastically down there. The perception of contamination outside the town, Don says, has become a problem. Our manufacturing sector, I think, is doing very well, but that doesn't rely on people coming to town. So they're, they're doing fine. Uh, it's more the, more the retail that's having a problem. Business has been better for Steve Teleshack, who owns the McDonald's in town. He sells Big Macs right next door to the local operation headquarters for Norfolk Southern. 200 to 300 workers and contractors are involved in the cleanup near the derailment site. They're in here every day, so that helps out a lot. So we'll see what happens when they stop coming. On a recent Friday morning, Michelle Cope was cutting hair at Skills Salon, a stone's throw from the main contamination site in town. Cope says she lost 40 of her regular customers. That's a lot of people to lose in, in a year. Joe Helpy, a lifelong resident who is getting his hair cut, says Norfolk has promised to reimburse his wife for her lost tips. She's a waitress at the original Roadhouse, one of only a handful of dining restaurants in the village. The restaurant is also right next to a stream that underwent months of environmental remediation. Helpy says the people who used to drive into East Palestine and spend money at the Roadhouse have been replaced by interlopers. There was two ladies taking a selfie down by the East Palestine sign in town. And I said, here, let me do it for you. They said, oh, we just want a picture of the toxic town. Obviously, I walk this town every day and buy food here every day. It's not toxic. Not every business survived the derailment. Maggie Guglielmo sold silicone wristbands from a shop down the street from the derailment site. All of those hundreds of thousands of gallons of of toxic chemicals plus water from the night of the fire. Um, And it just totally contaminated my shop. Um, The wristbands just sucked in all of that toxic fumes. My place stunk for four months until I got rid of everything. Guglielmo lost a quarter of a million wristbands. She didn't have enough money to buy new inventory and decided to sell her business. Her lawyer has filed a claim with Norfolk Southern to compensate her for the loss. I I was just happy to go to work. You can't put a price on emotional loss. Chad Edwards was hired to be the new village manager of East Palestine in October. He says people won't move to a place where they don't think they can drink the water. He wants to turn around the perception of the town as toxic. To that end, Norfolk Southern is footing the bill for a $1 million marketing campaign for the town. We're going to have a newsletter. We're revamping the website. We're going to be revamping our social media presence. It's not just image crafting. One of the town's biggest hopes right now, Edwards says, are direct investments from the train company itself. Norfolk Southern has committed $25 million to refurbish the city's park. It's by far the company's biggest single gift to the town and will include a new pool, a new amphitheater, pickleball courts, and three new playgrounds. Jamie Wallace moved her family out of town after the derailment because her house was so close to the main contamination site. And she became one of the loudest voices in town, pushing Norfolk Southern and the government to do more to protect residents' health. So far, Norfolk Southern hasn't said how it might support residents' potential long-term health care needs. Wallace worries that all of the Norfolk Southern money has placated some business owners when it comes to other concerns like residents' health. If you look at some of the interviews of these business owners that they did early on, 
their opinions uh, change very drastically um, in a very short period of time. You don't change your core values that quickly uh, unless there's some kind of benefit. The business owners are struggling to find a way to get the message out that it's safe for business when some of its loudest residents still don't believe it is. I'm Oliver Morrison in East Palestine. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills at 752. Mostly sunny skies today. High temperatures in the 50s. Clear tonight with lows in the 20s. And sunny tomorrow with highs in the 40s and 50s. Support for WVPB is provided by the West Virginia State Treasurer's Office with the SMART 529 program, recognizing West Virginia's teachers through the Above and Beyond project. More at WVTreasury.com. Ninety bills so far have been introduced into the legislature on election. For the legislature today, reporter Brianna Heaney spoke with Delegate Josh Holstein, a Republican from Boone County, and Senator Jack Woodrum, a Republican from Summers County, in a noisy Capitol Rotunda studio to hear what some of these bills do. One topic that has been, there's multiple bills on, is rank choice voting. Rank choice is an electoral system in which voters can rank candidates by preference on their ballots. Um, They can rank them in descending order which candidates they prefer. Around 50 American voting jurisdictions have now moved to rank choice voting, including some municipalities in our neighboring state of Virginia. It's considered by proponents to be an alternative to kind of the binary of Republican versus Democrat um, and to take some of the toxicity out of partisan politics. There are multiple bills in the House and Senate to outlaw ranked choice voting, which to be clear is not currently used in any voting district in the state. Why is there a need for those laws now? Well, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to rank choice voting, it's easy to manipulate the, the vote and to manipulate how people rank those choices. And then there's a, a lot of difficulty with it in that it takes a, math, a, a mathematical formula a lot of times to figure out where people uh, are, are ranked in that formula. It's uh, also a little bit problematic. Um, pardon the noise right there. But, but it's, it's a little bit problematic in the length of time that it uh, takes for poll workers, you know, to come up with the results of the election. So it could draw it out several days as opposed to having it the same night. Yeah, um, just to add to that, I think, I think it's important that voters um, know who uh, or the, what the results of their elections are in a timely manner. What we saw in the last couple election cycles in 2020 and 2022 across the country 
It's been a lot of cases where it's the results of the election have, have trickled in day after day after day upon weeks in some states like California. Also, if you recall in uh, the state of Alaska where they uh, use ranked choice voting, that race wasn't called for several days after the election. Um, and the balance of power in our, um, you know, in our system of government in both the houses and the Senate, particularly nationally, since the country is so evenly split, uh, can really be decided you know, on that one outcome, you know, on that one election's outcome. So I think it's crucial that voters know the results of their election and they have confidence in it, because the longer that you prolong um, and you have, uh, you know, you prolong the uh, the declared outcome the more room there is for doubt and concern in a lot of folks' minds. And I think it's something that we, we as a country really need to address right now is confidence in our elections. What would you guys say to proponents of ranked choice voting who say, yeah, it takes longer, but it increases the swath of um, ideas and voices who can be considered and maybe even reduces polarization in the political spectrum that that who what would you say about that trade-off time versus mm-hmm. polarization and a, a greater swath of choices sure I, I would just say to that just one quick thing to add is um, you know I don't think our voters should have to settle for second or third place I think they should make the decision of the best candidate and that should be the outcome um, if it's in cases where, and I know ranked choice voting deals with this, where the winner is less than 50 percent, you know, it's still the plurality. Um, and I think that's how our system of government has, has, you know, long existed and should continue to do so. You know, initiating a new way of voting, that, that's going to be confusing to everybody involved. I, I don't think that does anything to restore confidence in, in voting and in the outcomes of election. So we've, we've come through an election cycle where there are you know, allegations of, that elections have been stolen, and we've had other elections that have been won by very small margins. So adding that other dimension into it, I, I think, is really going to send the country in the wrong direction. That was Senator Jack Woodrum and Delegate Josh Holstein speaking with Brianna Heaney about election laws that have been proposed. To hear the rest of that interview, visit our website and tune in to the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.